Hi, Sid, and welcome to Starting Remote. Hey, Julia. Thank you for having me. I really love that we are doing this. Thanks for accepting. You are the first guys who said yes to this new series. And I'm looking forward to drilling down into Psych Insights. Absolutely. Super excited. And yeah, thank you again for having us. Before we go into any kind of details, tell us a bit about Sid, the founder of Psych Insights, co-founder of Psych Insights. I'm Sid. I'm actually a technically a current student at UCLA. So I'm based in, in Los Angeles. Um, I'm originally from India. I was born in, in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates, uh, moved to, to Hong Kong and then India, now the US. I've lived in, in four different countries. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I started Psych Insights in, in 2018 with a very different product and a very different team actually. And we, we pivoted to a bunch of different things, failed a lot, learned a lot, and, and finally pivoted to building tools to help remote teams build better relationships and build emotional intelligence in October 2019. So before COVID, we're not, we're not bandwagoners. Um, and and uh, yeah, things have been in really, really exciting for us since. What are the main events in your life that make you who you are right now? A couple of things. One, moving around a lot as a kid, uh, moving different schools, uh, being super social and always having a bunch of different friends. Uh, that I think has made me a little bit more open to adaptability and change. I think um, I've actually attended nine different academic institutions in, in my now 15 years of schooling and UCLA four years hopefully I'll finish, uh, will be the, the longest I've ever attended a single academic institution. And so as a result, I've always had like a bunch of different friends, a bunch of different groups, and it's made me extremely social um, and, and actually has influenced a lot of the, the, the things I've worked on. I've always tried to be the person that builds relationships, that makes friends quickly, that um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very social as, as, as a human being in general. And so um, I guess the, well, yeah, that was one of the big events that, that shaped my, my personality is, is moving around a lot as a kid. Um, that's the second would be coming to the U S um, at age 17 for, for university, left home, uh, very young. Um, and, and it's been an amazing time so far in college. I've learned a, a ton, uh, made a bunch of great friends that met amazing people, um, learned a ton professionally as well. Uh, started Psych Insights, which has been again, a life-changing experience, but again, I'm 20. So everything is a life-changing experience for me. Um, so yeah, the, the two main, main things would be moving around a lot as a kid and, uh, coming to the U S for university. Which is the place you like best so far? Honestly, I, 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 I've loved the U S it, it definitely is partially the, the freedom of, of living on by myself, living on my own, uh, but also college life in the U.S. is, is amazing. Uh, very lucky to, to go to a, a big school where there's a, a lot of amazing, fun people. Weather in L.A. is great, which is always a plus. Um, and, and coming from, from India, I'm used to, to warm weather, so L.A. is, is, is a, it's a good place to be. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely say, say the U.S., although Hong Kong was great. It's a, it's a very, at least the, the, the 
the part of Hong Kong that we lived in was very British. Um, and so I have a lot of British influence in, in, in me and my personality as well. Sid, isn't it hard to move so much, especially as a young person? Making friends, building relationship all over again. I, I've, I know a lot of other people that that have struggled with it, but I think the way that we, myself and my sister, were raised, we were always very adaptable, and, and we were very open to change and, and happy to move around. A lot of people. I was born outside of India, and a lot of people that have were born outside of India and then moved back to India don't have the best opinion of India. It's it, and and a lot of especially Indian immigrants that that leave the country leave it to to pursue a better life outside. But arguably, we had a much better life in India than we did outside, um, just because we were closer to family. I got I got a, a lot more open spaces to play as a kid. That's all that really matters at that age. And so, uh, and we would go back to India a lot. And so, moving around for us was always a, a, a very exciting thing. Yeah, I think I know exactly what uh, what you're saying. Every time I speak with you, you always have a smile on your face, and you're always positive. So I always wondered what makes Sid so happy, and what makes him wake up with a smile every morning. That's a, that's a good question. Um, honestly, it's, I think it's a mixture of a bunch of things. Uh, one, I, I'm very lucky to be doing something I love. I, I, I don't find work to be boring. I don't, I'm never looking to clock out, uh, like a lot of people are. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm always doing something that I'm enjoying, whether it's working or even after work, I, I, hang out with, with friends, less so now because of social distancing. Um, but, but with, with, um, yeah, whether it's playing soccer, watching soccer, now soccer is back. I, I know, um, it, it, football in Germany is back as well. I call it football. Sorry. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, I, 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 soccer is actually a big part of my life as well. Um, and, and the fact that the soccer season got, came back recently, um, has, has been great. Um, as well so to, to, to sum it up i guess what what makes me happy is um one just building things and working on things that i love and and two having great friends outside of work uh, and, and and a great work-life balance is debate for change the first thing you have started as an initiative or did you have other initiatives as a, as a kid prior to this yeah um well I, I, aside from the st- stereotypical lemonade stall type entrepreneurship that every every current founder has probably done as as a as a maybe nine ten year old uh debate for change was the first like sort of remotely software related product that 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 i built um it was in high school i i used to debate a lot as a kid uh i did a lot of model un and realized that there was no easy place for people to debate and and just have conversations with people that they didn't know about and and were at a similar level of debating uh to them about topics that that they found interesting and so that's why i built that that peer-to-peer debate platform and yeah it was my first in inverted commas startup does it still exist no do they still continue absolutely not uh yeah i i we actually pivoted debate for change to my second startup when i came to college 
uh, called logosnews.tech. Uh, that still exists, I believe, actually. Um, I'm not working on it, but uh, essentially it's a, it's a crowdsourced news discussion platform where you read opinions about the news by people that have similar personalities to you, but different political orientations. And so you see both sides of any given viewpoint, especially in the US where, where the left and the right are so polarized, it's very difficult for people who want to see the other point of view to actually find content that shows them that. Was this the start with personality and then leading to Psych Insights or different? Yes, that's actually how Psych Insights started, uh, is we were working on, on Locus News and kind of came up with this idea of, can we use personality to show people news content? Um, and then we ended up, we were in this undergrad accelerator program. We were showing people what we built and it ended up, they, we were, we showed a couple of managers at a bunch of tech companies, this, this technology. And they were like, Oh, can we use this for our team? And, and at that point I realized that the, the value of the, the underlying technology that we were trying to use was much more for teams. And I was more interested in that. So we decided to sort of split it up and, 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 yeah, the, those of us who had been working on the, the personality side of things decided to do psych and those who hadn't continued the logos. You created psych with Corinne and Andrew. Yes. Are, you both, are you all three studying at the uh, UCLA or different schools? So all three of us are current or former UCLA students. So Corinne graduated from UCLA in March uh, in, in two and a half years, uh, actually. And Andrew... Has, is taking a break from school now, but he 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 went to UCLA as well. Um, and we, I, I go to UCLA. I'm technically still a student. Um, and so, yeah, all of us met at UCLA. So how do you split responsibilities? You've started all of this together. Absolutely. So Kareen does outreach, marketing, uh, blog, blogging, co-marketing stuff. Um, she's, she, she leads all of that. So all of our content is written by her, all the outreach is done by her. Um, that's her role and she's really good at that. Um, Andrew does, Andrew and I both work together on product. Andrew also does design and front end engineering. Um, and, and myself, I'm, I'm the CEO as well as I lead product with Andrew and I do backend engineering. Um, and yeah, at, at other CEO stuff. <laughs> Kona the dog. Does the dog exist? Yes, actually. Um, we were we, we were in, in back in, in November, December when we identified that that okay, this is the route we want to take. We've we've talked to 150 people about about just asking them what the problem is in remote work. Um, overwhelmingly heard that that communication was really hard. We identified specific problems that we, we knew that we could solve. Um, and we decided to go the Slack bot route to, to, to solve them. We were thinking of a name and we, we, we wanted, we, we just needed to put something on Slack and, and get it out as soon as possible. And, and so I was like, Hey, what, what the remote, what, what are of the people that we've spoken to in remote work? What is, what are some things that they like? Um, and, and overwhelmingly we, we, we saw that, that they love dogs. Um, and so we, we said, okay, what's a, what's a dog name? What's a dog that we know? So Kona is actually our, our friend's dog. Um, that that's really an, an it's, it's an, she's an Australian shepherd. Um, and, and so we just named it, named, uh, 
our, our Slack bot Kona and, and even the logo is actually modeled after the real Kona. So let's get a bit into Psyche Insights, Kona the dog. Tell me a bit about the product and how does it help remote teams? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the story is, like I mentioned, in, in October 2019, we basically reached out to a bunch of remote managers, leaders, individual contributors, and just asked them, what are some of the things that you like or don't like or struggle with with respect to remote work? And overwhelmingly, what we heard is that obviously remote communication is the hardest thing in the world, but specifically in remote communication, when you're not seeing people in person or when you're not working synchronously that much, when there's more asynchronous work, which is what remote teams strive to do, you lose out on the softer side of things. And so understanding people's emotional state, communication style, feedback style, who is this person I'm working with? How are they feeling? And how can I build a relationship and work with them effectively? And this is the thing that is the number one required skill for remote work. Actually, there was a study done by, by Roberta Sawatsky, uh, remote work expert, um, on, on the top eight skills needed for, for remote work. And, and they went into the study expecting that they would be technical skills, but all of the top eight skills ended up being communication related. And one of the top ones specifically is around empathy and emotional intelligence. And that is the hardest thing to build in a, in a remote environment. And so that was the, the, the huge problem that we noticed. And the way a lot of companies are solving this is in the absence of being able to understand somebody's communication style and personality, they actually try to have each person manually documented. So writing out, uh, it's called a, a, a user manual or a work with me doc or a blueprint sometimes. And essentially each person is asked to write a three page document about their communication style, working style. This is who I am. This is how I like to work. But the problem with those documents is not everybody's self-aware enough to be able to write a doc like that. Like if I was given a, a sheet of paper and said, Hey, write three pages about your communication style, I would struggle. And, and our advisor, Darren, who's actually a Guinness World Record holding blogger and, and the head of promoter at GitLab, when he wrote his, he told us it took him three or four hours. And he's one of the best writers in the world. Um, so so it's, it's, it's really difficult to write about yourself and it takes a long time. Even then... Plus you might not know yourself so well. You might exactly. have hidden strengths or things that you, you think you're good at, but you're not. 100%, exactly. And... and even if you are super self-aware and you've done these, these assessments and you've talked to people about it and you write this doc and you spend three or four hours, probably more, it, the doc gets stored in a Google Drive somewhere or a Confluence and never looked at again. And so who's going to read a three-page doc before sending you a Slack message, right? Or, or jumping on a video call with you. And so there was this, this clear problem of not understanding the softer side of people and softer side of communication, but the solutions just weren't good enough. And we saw that most remote teams, at, at least up to a certain size, and, and this is growing all the time, are based in Slack or some form of remote communication tool. And so we decided to start with Slack and build Kona, which is an AI-powered Slack bot that helps you be a better remote communicator. And it does this by analyzing the way you and your teammates interact on Slack and auto-generating that work with me doc, except it's able to smartly deliver the relevant insights from the document into your workflow at the relevant time. So for example, if you link your Google Calendar to Slack or to Kona, 15 minutes before a meeting, Kona will give you relevant meeting specific insights about people that you're about to have a meeting with. So for example, this person really appreciates direct feedback or this person really needs an agenda before their meetings. And, and they, they really hate it when you, don't have, when you don't come in with a clear agenda and action items. 
Um, and so Kona is intended to be a tool that helps you build empathy and, and understand people that you work with, as well as helps people that you work with understand you. What I really struggled with at the beginning, because I saw some other platforms that pretended to do similar things, was the actual research basis. So lead us a bit through the research that you've used to create and, and create a basis for, for this Slackbot. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a ton, ton of other tools that use different personality models than we do. And honestly, the, the one that we use is, is called the five-factor model. It's the, it's the most popular by far in academia. And, and the reason that is, is, is that it's the only personality model that's actually statistically significant and is backed by, by real correlations with behavior. Um, and so, and it's pretty much uh, the other the other assessments, personality assessments are built based on the big five. Yes, many many personality assessments are are based on the big five exactly. Um, and so, for the past twenty five thirty years, the big five has been widely accepted in academia as the gold standard for for personality assessments. Um, in fact, I wouldn't really even call it an assessment, although there are assessments to measure the big five. It's more so uh, almost a universal theory. Of, or a framework for human behavior. And it actually, unlike a lot of other personality assessments, it allows for differences and nuances in people's personality. So it doesn't bucket people into any personality type, although you can use the big five to create buckets and create groupings. Um, who would have thought everybody in the world is different, right? And the big five actually accounts for that. Um, and so the, the personality model we're using under, under the hood is actually an IBM Watson AI model that generates big five personality data from the way you communicate. And so given the way you communicate in Slack, Watson is able to tell us, hey, Sid is 93rd percentile on facet gregariousness within extroversion on the five-factor model. And that doesn't mean anything to the normal human being, but we've worked with, with UCLA workplace psychology experts, as well as just psychology professors in general, and, and honestly, at this point, just read and, and, and been part of the, the, the research workplace psychology org behavior research space um, and created the, the mapping, essentially, of what does that mean that SID is 93rd percentile on facet gregariousness? What does that mean for how you can effectively work with SID? And what does that mean for how SID can effectively work with other people? And so that's what, what, what Kona does. And that's what we've kind of automated. Is the algorithm that you've created good enough from the start? How are you checking that is providing relevant data? Absolutely. How are you yeah, making sure you're improving it? Great, great question. So the, the, like I mentioned, the, the, the AI model we're using is actually an IBM Watson model. So we didn't build our own custom AI model to generate personality data because IBM Watson has done an amazing job with that. And, and, and IBM have trained their model on a data set of more than 1.5 million people. And so the model itself is actually more than 90% accurate on predicting personality traits along the five-factor model compared to people that took a personality assessment that measured it. And so we... So, so the accuracy is, is, is very much there from an IBM Watson perspective. The only thing that you need is to be able to actually get a sufficient corpus of text to be able to send to Watson. And so what we usually say is that, that if somebody's been at a company for more than a week, 
they've written enough text, probably around 1200 words to be able to accurately create a Kona profile. And so that's all you need. 1200 words, 1200 words. It gets more and more accurate as you increase the number of words. But for a baseline level of accuracy, it's usually 12 to 1500 words. Can you share some names of who has started supporting you and using uh, Kona and Psych Insights? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've had some some amazing early customers, including Buffer.com, um, some some big partnerships coming up as well. Uh, actually going to be be installing to, to Glassdoor later this week. Um, Typeform, Imperfect Foods. Uh, we've yeah we've we've tested out with a bunch of of fifty to five hundred person and sometimes larger software companies um, and and been getting some amazing results from them. Wonderful. What I really liked when you showed me the product and when you did a demo uh, for me with Corinne was the simplicity of it all. Are you? Do you have five minutes to share with everyone? Absolutely. Happy to make a quick demo. Happy to do that. So, like I mentioned, our our first product is called. Kona. It's an AI powered Slack bot that helps you be a better remote communicator. And when you install Kona to Slack, it'll first ask you a few questions about your communication style, feedback styles, motivating factors, things like that. And these are curated from the hundreds of conversations we've had with managers. So some are very tactical questions. Like for example, the best way to reach me is Slack or email or put time on my calendar. Or if someone needs to ping me, I prefer that you do it in bullet points or paragraphs or just jump on a quick call with me. Or some features of my written communication style and tone are that I'm brief, wordy, formal, casual. And then there's, of course, free response sections with some guiding questions where you can talk more about your personality and communication style. But that's one part of it, is answering some questions that, that we've curated and, and putting down some things about your communication style that managers typically want to know. And we've seen really strong completion rates on these compared to surveys and compared to like a user manual. So, so these, these just by themselves have been showing great results. But also the second part is even if you don't answer a single question, the AI will analyze the way you communicate in Slack and it's able to auto-generate a personality profile for you if you, if you give it consent to do that. Then you can review your profile, make sure that it's accurate, make sure that you're okay with people seeing these insights, you have full control over editing, deleting insights, and then once you publish your profile, other people can see how to communicate with you and you can see the same about other people. So for example, if I want to know how to give feedback to my co-founder, Andrew, I can actually get a quick bio from Kona about how to approach that conversation with Andrew. So for example, I can see, give me feedback over a video call or give me feedback during one-on-one. So that's what he said about how he likes to get feedback. But also I can see AI generated both high and low level more specific insights about who Andrew is and what it's like to work with him. So I can see as a summary, some adjectives that Andrew is relaxed, self-confident and has wide interests, but also more specific things like praise this person in front of the team, or you may need to probe into issues and look into situations they pass off as no big deal. And I can click view full profile and see more detail about Andrew's communication style, motivating factors, work style, collaboration style, and even his cultural background. So under collaboration, for example, I can see For Andrew, let this person take charge. They like to voice their opinion and lead conversations. So that gives me some context into what it's like to work with Andrew. You don't actually have to like run a command or ask Kona for insights. That's one of the things we're working on right now. Actually, there's many situations where Kona will automatically deliver you insights about the person that you're working with. So for example, 
if Kona is, if, if you're talking in a channel that Kona is already a member of and you tag somebody in a conversation, Kona will automatically bump you saying, Hey, you've tagged this person. Maybe they're, they're super busy right now. They're already in a meeting or you've sent them a long paragraph and they typically for bullet points. So Kona will tell you, Hey, you might want to rephrase. Or if you've linked your calendar to Kona, then 15 minutes before a meeting, Kona will bump you saying, hey, you have this meeting coming up. This is how you can effectively work with these people. And so there's many situations where right in your workflow, without you having to do anything, Kona will give you relevant insights about the person that you're working with. Well, this is even more um, improvements. Uh, I mean, I've first seen a demo about two months ago. And this has developed way more since then. It's changed a lot. One of the big uh, pieces of feedback we got from our early access customers, and we now have um, over 40 of those, including Buffer, Glassdoor, uh, Typeform, and more, uh, was that they love the insights. They, they love the fact that they can get this information, but they want it without having to do anything. They want it to slot into their workflow. And so many of the things that we've been working on in the past couple of months have been around making this seamless experience of, of relevant, actionable insights that are in the situation that you're in currently. And when you say great results, what do you mean? How accurate is the profile? Did you get anyone or how many people do you get percentage wise who tell you this is not really me? I don't recognize myself. I would say that happens around four or 5% of the time, but, but typically what that actually, what, what, we've, what we've seen sometimes is, is false negatives in the sense that a lot of people will see insights that they, maybe they don't like to see. They don't want to, to know this information. And, and earlier, actually, it, it would be so that the insights would generate and everybody in the team would be able to see them, even if you hadn't explicitly approved it. And people were, were, were that, that weren't the kind of people that were super open and, and comfortable being vulnerable about their, their strengths and weaknesses were sometimes getting offended saying, Hey, why is this AI telling people things about me that I don't want them to know and that I don't think are true. But anecdotally, anecdotally, what we often found was that the other people would tell us, Hey, this is actually true about this person, but they just don't want to admit it. Um, and so Watson's model is great and they're actually able to really accurately predict personality from the way you communicate. But even if it's inaccurate, the idea is that if you're sure it's inaccurate, the goal is to just kind of create a starting point. It's not meant to be this extremely accurate profile that tells you who you are without you having any input in it. It's supposed to be a starting point for you to be more self-aware about your communication style and so that you can recognize your strengths and weaknesses, understand how that plays into other people's strengths and weaknesses, and, and essentially document your own communication style better. So if there's insights that, that, that you've seen are inaccurate, we often see people editing them or deleting them and, and, may, and, and editing them to, to the ones that, that are true. Does that make them feel more secure? Who owns their data? Is it the company? Is it themselves? The, the Slack data, I, as, as the, the way that Slack works is that Slack actually stores on, on, on their servers all the data. And so the, the, the understanding for anybody that's working in Slack is that the Slack data is the property of the company. Having said that, companies are typically very particular to not um, share it with third parties that are going to sell the data or, or use it for, for nefarious purposes. And so we're very, very particular to never actually log the content of any messages or store the content of any messages on their Slack 
in our workspace, all we store is the insights that we generate from that. And, and that's what we use to base all our recommendations on. Um, and so, so we've been very, very particular about, about staying on the, on the, on the good side and being extremely transparent, um, about data privacy and how we use data, because that's existentially required for us. And uh, Sid, when you're onboarding a company, what kind of data do you ask from them and from, from their teams? So the main thing that people typically have concerns with that, that we, we, are very clear about explaining how we use is public channel messages. And so in Slack, there's public and private channels as well as DMS. And we Kona will analyze the content of all public channels. Um, and so Kona will only analyze messages that are already public to the company. And so typically people are a lot more comfortable with that compared to analyzing private conversations or, or DMS. Um, and so that's the main piece of information that, that we need to be able to make our, our guidance and, and, and recommendations. Also, optionally, people can link their Google Calendar, so we have access to their calendars as well, but it's only used to give them notifications before meetings. Um, and so we're very transparent about the fact that with public channel messages, we're not never storing anything and we're never logging them anywhere. Did great information. I do want to switch a bit because... Uh, Starting discussing about uh, remote work, I would also like through this to support other companies who want to either move remotely or start remotely and understand a bit of what you've been through, your challenges, the things that you like about remote work and so on, so it can help them make the transition or, or, or build their startup. So do you, as Psych Insights, work all remote? We're fully remote. And, and we've really embraced over the past three, four months, especially since social distancing rules in the United States came into place and in, in LA specifically, uh, we've been running as a fully remote team. And actually we've realized that we're way more effective, fully remote indivi as, in, as individuals and as a team than we ever were before. Um, and so we, we, as of now, the plan is to, to continue to embrace the fully remote culture so that we can one, relate to the problems of our customers uh, and, and stay, stay very close to understanding the, the issues that they face and, and um, yeah, it's really like, like empathize with them, uh, but also just because we're so much more efficient and it's so much cheaper to be able to, uh, to, to, to run as a fully remote team. How many are you right now in Psych Insights? Just the three of us. Just the three of you. Yeah, LinkedIn says anywhere from two to 10, so I never knew how, uh, how many. <laughs> do you do you meet? I know you live. Uh, two of you live in the same city, and I think um, Andrew or Corinne live live outside. Yeah, actually. So before the pandemic, we were running as an in person team, and we were all at UCLA at the time. We were all current students. Corinne graduated since, um, and and Andrew is taking a break from school now. But uh, back back in October to uh, February March. We were working in person. Uh, we, we were lucky to have been through uh, two, both of the top accelerators that UCLA has to offer. So the, the undergrad accelerator, as well as the MBA schools accelerator, uh, we're lucky to have been through both programs. And so we, have, uh, we had office space at two, two different locations on campus. Uh, and so wherever we were, whether we were like in class or whether we were in our, our apartments or dorm rooms, we were able to have a, an office space that was nearby to, to, to go and work. And so we would, we would work in person, but I realized that 
the, the commute time, even at UCLA, you walk everywhere. So it was probably like a 15, 20 minute walk one way. And then having to be in the same location to be able to work um, and making sure that we were coordinating all that. I, in hindsight, I don't think we would ever be able to go back to that because we would now see the inefficiency in, in, in that. And we don't really need to, to do that. But um, so now to answer your question, Andrew is in the Bay Area. Um, and, and Corrine has, was in the Bay Area until recently, and she's now moved down to L.A. Um, and so, yeah, because of social distancing, we haven't um, met up yet. Uh, maybe by the time this, the, the episode airs, social distancing rules will have been lifted and we will have hung out. But as of, as of uh, data for recording, we haven't um, actually met yet. But it doesn't feel that way because, um, yeah, we, we, we work synchronously a lot using a tool called Tandem that I'm happy to talk about more. For external calls, it's always Zoom, Google Meet sometimes. Um, with luckily, being a, being a student has its perks. We have free Zoom premium. Actually, I think Zoom might have made a premium for everybody for free, but uh, before everybody else had it, we students had, had free Zoom premium. Um, and so we get unlimited Zoom calls. So for external calls, when we're talking to other people, we always use Zoom, but internally, we use a tool called Tandem um, it's essentially a virtual office for, for remote teams. We also like tools like Jam, Pragly, um, which are also virtual office tools. Uh, we, we just happened to, to start with Tandem because they were around when, when we started being remote. Um, and, and we somehow happened to use it. But essentially, Tandem allows us to, to create this virtual office environment where each of us has our own room. We have rooms for general work. We have rooms for our stand, daily stand-ups. Um, and, and so it almost feels like I'm, I'm working side by side with everybody because I'm, I'm working with them on tandem all the time. And, and we've so established, a, by now, knock on wood, a very strong remote workflow where we, we were comfortable with synchronous work when we need to, to work together and then asynchronous work otherwise. And so we've started being a lot more efficient about the time that we do spend uh, working together. Customers, how do you deal with them, considering that you are remote and at this point you are under lockdown? Absolutely. So all of our customers are in the same situation as us, uh, where um, they're either work from home or in lockdown or they're fully remote companies themselves. And so we actually learn a lot from our customers about their remote workflow. Uh, so we'll see like the setup that they have. We'll see, their, we'll, we'll learn from them about in terms of their um their workflow, things that they do, uh, processes. Given given that we're so young and, and inexperienced, a lot of the, the processes that we have, informal processes, because we're only a three-person team, are adapted from from those of our customers. And uh, so, so to answer your question, we acquire customers completely online, maintain relationships completely online. We've never met a single one of our customers in person. Uh, and it's probably going to stay that way forever, is my guess. Um, and and um, so. We acquire customers through cold LinkedIn outreach, as well as a lot of inbound uh, onto our website. So people can sign up for the wait list or install Kona directly um, and, and, and use it from there. And, and so um, we've been yeah, completely acquiring customers through online channels. Um, after we exit early access, we'll probably stop doing the cold LinkedIn outreach and it'll be just driving traffic to the website. And we, we've proved that we can scalably acquire customers through those channels with really strong conversion rates. Um, and then we maintain relationships with our customers through yeah, email. Um, often I'll connect with them on LinkedIn and just LinkedIn message them. 
Uh, right now, we're, we're working very closely with a lot of our customers because we want to learn from them about how they're using it, what their intentions are, what they like, don't like, how is Kona not meeting or meeting their expectations. And so we, we work very closely with them and track all their actions uh, using, using Mixpanel. And so we're actually using Segment and Mixpanel, which are our two tracking tools. We're able to almost live time watch our customers use Kona and see the, the flows that they're going through and how we can slot into their workflow. So a lot of the, the, the processes and the, the values and the way we think about remote are from the handbook. And so, for example, transparency, trust, honesty, short toes um, are, are yeah, especially short toes uh, is something that, that implicitly we've, we've picked up from, from GitLab, from Darren, um, and from, from other leaders in the space. Uh, so I'm not sure if, if short toes is a popular concept, but, but essentially it's that you can't step on people's toes because everybody has short toes. And so nobody has an ego about, hey, this thing didn't happen correctly. How can we fix it? Nobody takes that personally. And so uh, we'll always be focused on, on the end outcome. And we don't really have egos on the team about, hey, I, this is my job. I'm really good at this. And so you can't tell me how to do things. It would never, I would never have that thought process. And, and thankfully, I'm lucky to work with people that, that share the same values as I do. Um, and so uh, that's been one of the things that, that we've adapted transparency about being open with, with, with when we're able to, um, what, what we commit to do during the day, during the week, what we expect to finish, and when we're able to hit or not hit those, um, ensuring that, that everybody is in the loop um, and, and ensuring that, that we're, we're really not measured and, and we don't do performance evaluations or anything yet, but, but informally we're not viewed or measured or judged by, by the rest of the team based off of the input that we're doing, but based on the output. Um, and, and, and that's one of the big shifts that has to come with respect to remote. And, and luckily, we've, we've been surrounded with people, including our customers, as well as advisors that have helped us change that mindset. Hiring. When are you going to hire anyone? Are you thinking about it? Do you need help? So we've actually been accepted to an accelerator program. Uh, it's called TechStars. Uh, it's it's based in in it has it has more than fifty locations around the world. Um, LA is supposed to be one of the best programs, or we're lucky to have been accepted to the LA one. Um, they're really really good with helping us out with hiring, fundraising, things like that. Um, right now, as of right now, we're not looking to hire. Uh, possibly in the next two months, uh, we will be. Um, Specifically, going through a rigorous accelerator program like TechStars that would, that that um, we will learn a lot from. We'll understand specifically more about where the the real like expertise gaps lie in the team. My guess is that it's probably going to be around engineering architecture, but more so around enterprise sales um, and building that that scalable, repeatable sales process that we've never done before, and is 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 very very much a matter of having done it before and, and, and experience. Um, so, so our guess is that we'll, we'll hire somebody ideally a lot more senior than us that we can learn from. Um, and so, so we want to be very intentional about who we hire, but our guess is that, that our, our next two, three hires are going to come in that, that area. Got it. What did it take for you to build your business model? 
How many iterations did you have to go? I've lost count, I, honestly. Um, so, so Kona in its most recent form or, or the, the, the earliest you would be able to look at a product and recognize it from what it is now is probably late December, early January. Um, so late December, 2019 to early January, 2020. Um, and, and we pivoted and we actually did a ton of research and customer interviews at this point, probably talked to more than 300, maybe 350 managers, uh, before we even started writing a single, single line of code. And, and that was the mistake that we were fixing from prior uh, iterations of the product. So we've tried a whole suite of personality-based performance management tools targeted at in-person offices in 2018, failed with that miserably, then tried an onboarding tool targeted at in-person teams, helping people onboard new employees and understand them better and get them up to speed better and faster, um, failed miserably, um, failed less so than the, 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 the previous attempt, but still it wasn't clicking, something was, was missing. And then over, over the summer of 2019, I actually did uh, something called the Kleiner Perkins Fellowship. Kleiner Perkins is one of the top venture capital firms in Silicon Valley. Um, and, and they select 50 students out of more than 3,000 applicants every year uh, from, from the top schools in the U.S. And I was lucky enough to have been selected. And so we got to meet and hang out with Kleiner Perkins investors. And so I was just hanging out with, with Josh Coyne, who's the enterprise software investor for Kleiner. Um, and I was just telling him about this thing that we built, all the things that we'd been trying to do. And he said, he, he just said, this is great, but maybe you want to explore trying it for remote teams. And that's when it really clicked for me is, is this is a, this is something that, that personality is something that is severely missing in remote was kind of the hypothesis that we, we had. And, and we said, okay, we've been doing things completely wrong. We've been building things based on intuition as opposed to customer discovery. Um, and so we said, okay, we're going to scrap everything we built. We threw out every line of code we, we, we wrote and restarted from scratch really. And so um, nothing we ever did before October, 2019 was ever, has ever been used since. Um, and, and we, we did our customer discovery from scratch and basically restarted the company. In fact, had we, had we changed the name of Psych Insights in October, nobody would have been able to tell the difference or the similarity between this product and the previous one. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, 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 and so the, the big iteration was, was around October, um, decided to, to go the Slack bot route probably around November, December, uh, when we were, when we had done a, a ton of early customer discovery. And then January is when we put out our closed private beta in with a, with a product that was much more basic, simple than, than this. And, and since then, probably gone through it's been six months probably 10 12 major iterations in in six months three advice that you would give starters on how to build their business model from what you've learned so far so i'll i'll so there's three pieces of things that you need to know and there's three things that matter customer 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 um and then the fourth, well, and, and then under customer comes the market and the size of the market. So essentially the only things you need to know to be able to build a business is that there's a problem. The problem is huge and that people are paying a lot of money to solve the problem for a business. Um, for any product, it's just the first two, that there's a problem and the problem is huge. And the reason I say that is 
because once you have identified that there is a huge problem in any market, then it no matter what you put out, people will lap up that solution. And so you just have to find a market and a problem which is so huge and is affecting people's lives so much that they will take whatever useless crappy product you put out at the beginning. And if you aren't putting out a useless product that doesn't really do much or doesn't that you're not proud of as your first product, then you're, you've, you've waited too long. You're not doing it right because no product survives its first interaction with the end user. And so there's a, there's honestly just a, they, 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 they call starting a business an art more than a science, but there is some very clear formulaic steps that you need to do to set up a, a solid foundation. One, find a, find a topic, a general area that you, that you care about. The only thing that really matters is how much you're going to actually fight through and struggle and, and not, not give up on, on, on the problem. And so you have to care enough about it to be able to, to say, I'm okay to devote the next 10 years of my life to this without knowing whether the outcome is going to be positive or negative. Um, and so that's one. So are you the type of person that can do that? And not everybody is, not everybody should be. Second, having identified that this is a general area that I care about, is there some specific problem in, in the area? And, and the only way you identify that is by talking to 100 people. I say minimum 100 people before you can, you can really start seeing patterns. Ideally, the more, the better. Um, and and never, never go into it with an idea. So talk to 100 people about just the problem and get them to start complaining about the issue that they face. So we just reached out to remote managers, said we're students, we're working on a research project. Um, about remote work. And, and we just wanted to ask you a few questions. And at the time, it was really just research. Um, and so people were happy to, to, to give us 15 minutes. And then it always ended up being 30 minutes, 45 minutes, one hour, because the problems were so severe. And, and they were talking so much about how they struggled with remote communication. Um, by, by the end of, of, of the 100 interviews, it was plain and simple what we had to build. Um, and, 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 and then build a minimum version of what you, whatever you can build, get something out and get it in the hands of real people because their interactions, notice how they're using it, notice what they're saying, but also notice how they're feeling and what they're behaving. And so there needs to be a, you need to be rapidly empathetic about understanding the intention of the user um, and understanding that the, the, the goal of what the user is trying to achieve um, and, and just keep iterating from there and never be afraid to throw out your entire philosophy and your entire thought process based off of new information that you've learned. Either for Kona or for you as a remote team, do you have any unanswered questions on remote that you would like to ask researchers, academia, and you didn't find an answer so far? Absolutely. And, and um, I'm 100% sure I'm not the only person that's going to ask for, for this research. Uh, and we'll probably start working on this. So if there's any researchers listening to this, uh, feel free to reach out uh, because we're going to be working on solving this specific problem that I'm about to talk about. It is measuring, measuring. So measuring success, measuring productivity is is obviously a problem, but specifically measuring culture and engagement, um, and and identifying when things are going right and when things are going wrong, is very much impossible. Qualitatively, you can see it, but in a remote team, it's very hard to get that high level view of how is the company doing culturally. Uh, there's tools like elon.ai that, that kind of try to help with that. 
but there's no real one or two or three metrics that you can point to and say, hey, these are the things that we look to um, for to measure the effectiveness of our communication. Um, there's there's no tool that that can currently do that. Um, and and we have some hypotheses around like how much com- uh, communication is happening in public versus private channels. GitLab actually tracks this for their workspace. Um, how what is the, the the sentiment and the tone of people within their teams externally uh, with private conversations, all that kind of stuff. Again, there's privacy concerns with tracking that, and so it's difficult. Um, but essentially, the big research thing that I would two research things I would say one is is this is can we find a way to measure and track effectiveness of culture and effectiveness of communication in remote teams? Second is can we build a more targeted workplace focused five factor model based personality not assessment but framework that that essentially says hey okay given these factors about your team and and honestly there's it probably isn't that big of a leap leap from the five factor model to another model based off of it to say hey these are the 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 the, the um kind of complementary traits that you need in a team to have an effective remote working situation. So everybody has strengths and weaknesses and every every um whether it's a personality type or whether it's it's a, a range of values on the five factor model, being high on a specific trait or having being low on a specific trait has its strengths and weaknesses. And so finding that ideal composition um, or, or trying to go towards a model of saying, hey, this, this type of group of people will work really well together is, is a huge unsolved problem. And, and if you can do that, that will break, then change the way we, we, we build teams, work together, and, and, and even higher. For sure. I will make sure I will pass these questions on as this is one of the aims of this podcast. Did what's next for Psych Insights? Right now, it's very much about so, so next two, three months, it's really figuring out product-related things. So how can we retain our users? How can we deliver recurring value to our customers? How can we identify how to measure the quantifiable impact of what we're doing on the organizations, which is why I mentioned that we're going to be working on the problem of measuring effective communication. Um, and, and essentially, in six months, we want to be able to say, using Kona has a clear correlation to these three metrics that are desirable for any remote team. Then our goal just becomes, can we get everybody at the company to use Kona more often? And can we make Kona more slotted into their workflow? And that's something we're already working on because qualitatively we're seeing that people are, are more comfortable leading teams, become better managers by using Kona. And we're anecdotally hearing this from a lot of our, our, our customers. Um, but, but being able to quantify that and take that to a VP of people ops or a CEO and say, Hey, Kona is going to improve your employee engagement scores by 47% um, or some, something like that um, is, 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 is the goal for the next three to six months. Then is going to be very much about scaling, scaling that within Slack as well as outside of Slack at some point. So Slack is, is one very big part of remote work, but Microsoft Teams has about, I think, eight times the total users that Slack does. Um, and, and Microsoft Teams is a lot more of the, the legacy non-startup companies. And so once we've ideally established ourselves as 
okay, these, these people can really add value to a company culture in Slack. Moving on to Microsoft Teams will be a, a, a much larger market potentially for us. Um, and and we, 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 we we're, we're definitely open to exploring that as well. So um, probably maybe six months to a year from now, we'll start thinking about non-Slack integrations. Um, and, and, and that's really when the vision of Kona will, 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 will start to be realized and we'll start working on that is, which is being the, the go-to tool, the platform for empathy, emotional intelligence, and, and effective communication in a remote setting. So no matter what tool you're using, whether it's Slack, Jira, Microsoft Teams, Trello, GitLab, there's multi multiple tools that people use. Kona will be the tool that helps you build relationships and be more empathetic and a better communicator in order to drive productivity, drive satisfaction, engagement, and, and retain your, your, your top talent. Sid, for anyone who's listening to this and wants to implement Kona, where can they find you? So the website is psychinsights.com. That's S-I-K-E insights.com. You can email me at Sid, S-I-D, at psychinsights.com. Uh, but if you go to the website and click on sign up, there's a, currently there's a waitlist form. By the time the podcast airs, we may have publicly launched. But if not, there's, there's likely going to be a link to install. So either you can sign up on the waitlist, schedule a, a, a meeting with me to chat more about it, or just email me directly at sid at psychinsights.com. Uh, and, and, and we're very open to, to seeing how we can test it out. Typically, people start in large organizations. We start with, with one team. Uh, with, within the organization and it, it, it automatically scales from there. Perfect. I will make sure to include the links in your email as well uh, when we post this on YouTube. Amazing. Sid, thank you so much for your time today and thanks for your insights and the amazing product that you're putting out there. Thank you so much for having us, Julia. Really appreciate it. And, and this podcast is very much needed because the, the more we can talk about remote work, tools, processes, the, the better it is for the world. I agree, especially that everyone seems to at least be toying with the idea of moving remote. 100%. And it, the more the more this situation goes on, but regardless, the more we're going to have to. <laughs>